He's back. Nick's back. You hear that? Hey, the bass is too heavy. The time has come for everyone to clean up their own backyard. Clean up their own backyard. Did you hear that? Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'd actually, I've got an interesting idea for how we could start this episode. I think we should talk about the film. Oh, that's funny, because I was going to suggest we should talk about anything other than Nick Cage today, please. But Ben, there's so much to talk about. He's back. Nick's back. He's back in a major way. With a vengeance. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Let me let me bring the energy up there, because... Save that kind of idea for when we next get another fucking guarding Tess. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've got a good Nick here. This is going to be good. Come on, get excited, yes. Ben. Come on. All right, you're right. <laughs> so this is the gin talking. I don't want to talk about Nick. Needs must, though. Someone's got to. There was a verbal contract, Ben, and we simply must talk about Nick today. We must engage in conversation about him for reasons. I'm sure there is a reason, but I'm not quite sure what it is yet. I was catching up with someone the other day about this project and I was not whinging about it, but I was being like, you know, it's a long road ahead. We've got lots to do. And then they kind of (laughs) listened and a little gap fell in the conversation. They just went, no one's asking you to do this. (laughs) And I had no reply to that comment. And I don't think anyone other than us would care if we stopped. Yeah. But I also... I wouldn't let you live it down and I get the feeling you wouldn't let me live it down. No, this is effectively a tontine at this point. Yeah. We're going to out-chat each other here. Yeah, it's uh, a horrible <laughs> last man standing competition. But this, is, this is the whole thing. It's it's mostly endurance. But I, I, I like that. I like the punishment. Yeah, I deserved it. I've had it too good for too long. I deserve to get taken down a peg and put in a cage for a while. And speaking of taking people down a peg or two, let's dive right into today's film. Okay, you're right. We need to approach this with some, some better energy because this was... Not the worst experience I've had. To give a bit more context to the experience, I've got to the point, it's like I'm in a relationship with Nick and have been for a long time now and we're looking for ways to spice it all up a bit. So today I tried something a bit different and watched this film in the bath. Ooh, this is a nice film to watch in the bath. I decided to watch this film in the bath and I thought this would be a nice, relaxing way to spend time with Nicky. He's been a bit of a... bit of a. Well, he's been a pussy the last few days, quite <laughs> frankly. The characters he's been playing have been just like he's been so lame that I've I felt like I was in safe territory to just hang out with our beige man in a big hot tub. But boy, was I mistaken! If gardening test came on and I was in the bath, I'd be very scared of just slipping under. To be honest, <laughs> no motivation yeah, to pull uh, myself back I above am the surface. Over it. <laughs> There's more going on under the water. But boy, was that jarring, being a a nice, relaxing, nude tub of water when, I mean, I barely, I don't really know what happened in this film. I wasn't particularly gripped by it. But every single second Nick Cage is on screen, he is the biggest attention hog you'll meet in all the right ways. He is back, baby. He, uh, I found an interesting quote uh, from Nick describing how he saw the character. And he plays a guy called Little Junior. And he described the kind of character that he kind of chosen like set for him how he's going to play it as a big horrible baby yeah yep and that is perfect one thing i love about this and i'd love to know who put this in whether it was in the script or if this was like an ad lib or like an idea that he brought the asthma is it's so good it's such a way of humanizing him of what is otherwise a really horrible 
horrible character. And did you notice at the end he's um where he drops the inhaler and uh he's he's got it customized. He's got custom inhaler. What really? What did it say on it? I didn't happen to see. I did quite catch exactly what it says, but I speculate that it's you know he keeps saying that he's got that um B-A-D. that kind of anagram as B A B. Yeah, he's, I think it just had bad written across it in gold. Amazing. And I was like, that's very funny. I could be I, I could be making this up, to be honest. Right. We are jumping all across the map here, and this is a character worth documenting properly because uh, I'm going to go out and say Lil Junior Brown is one of my favourite dudes we've hung out with for some time, certainly. I mean, he was definitely one of the most entertaining. Yeah. Um, kind of an arsehole. In, well, I don't know what I'm saying, kind of. He was an arsehole. I disagree. Really? I disagree. How? I think he was... Okay, well let's let's take it from the top and then we'll we'll see if either of our opinions change throughout this. Before we even Okay, you know what? He is an asshole, but I don't think he's a bad guy. I think what happened there is you just remembered he was threatening to murder someone's child. Oh yeah, I suppose he did. He didn't ever say that it was just implied and this No, I think he did say it. He said that he was gonna take the uh, the kid he was he was making the uh Making David Caruso's character Jimmy pick between his uh, his wife and his kid as to who he's going to kill first. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll imagine you were probably shampooing the hair at this point. Yeah, exactly. I had an ear full of <laughs> bubbles. Sorry, I missed that. So before we even see Nick Cage in this film, we are greeted with his hand flying into the the frame first to grab someone round the throat, the cousin of the lead character, Jimmy, who gets him wrapped up in all of this. And honestly, I don't even want to talk about the story. Didn't think it was that engaging, but I do want to talk about the character because that enthralled me. Well, I think I think we owe it to people here to give a very brief synopsis. If you could, that'd be great. Oh, oh, oh you! I can't believe you just done that to me. <laughs> yeah, you opened the door after you, sir. Uh, long story short, Jimmy is... Uh, he gets... He's like an ex-con. A uh, guy shows up to his door who desperately needs some help. He gets roped into doing one last job for a guy called Little Junior, who is a horrible, horrible bastard, unless you're Ben and you love him. Love the guy. Um, yeah, favourite guy. That obviously goes completely wrong. He ends up back in prison, does three years, uh, comes out with the idea that he is going to wear a wire and take down Little Junior Brown. A guy with two first names that both mean the same. Absolutely pointless. <laughs> decisions, yeah, decisions. Yeah, couldn't decide. Shall I be Little Brown or Junior Brown? How about Little Junior Brown? But yeah, that's that's the main premise of the film is then him, it just becomes a big kind of battle of trust and who who's kind of betraying who. And yeah, that's more or less it. That's, that's the entire setup of the film. Let's get into the characters. Yes, please. Or most importantly, character. Let's get into Nick. Little Junior Brown <laughs> comes in with such force. This is quite possibly the strongest character introduction we've had. In the first scene, we meet Little Junior. He... His hand flies into the frame before we've even met him. He grabs one of the characters round the throat and begins to threaten him for some sort of reason. Next up, and this is within this is probably within one minute of Nick being on the screen, the guy he was throttling, he introduces Jimmy to Nick's character and says he's going to be our driver for this because the guy that we have, who we usually have on it, opens the door of the truck they're going to be driving and he's drunk and asleep at the wheel, this old man. He goes, he's a drunk, he'll be no good. Nick Cage then reaches into the van, grabs this poor old man and throws him from the six foot height across another truck and it is the wildest thing I think I've seen in any of these films. 
I just want to remind you that you were less than two minutes ago praising this guy for being a good dude. That's not what I said. You, uh, I'm, come on now. Just the audacity of it, though. Like I just, I was in awe of, just in awe. Of, first of all, in awe of the size of this lad. <laughs> Nick Cage has never been beefier. Talk about Lord of War. He is massive in this. Yeah, he, he does look the part, but you can't get away from the fact that he looks like a smaller version of the big show <laughs> from WWE yeah he's got the worst goatee like when we first looked at this we thought it was going to be like magician like like in Zandalee but he comes back he's got the receder he's wearing a tank top he's got the goatee he literally looks like the big show it's not a good look he does look like a piece of shit and acts like yeah. it for quite a lot of the movies oh, it, it, it fits the character perfectly but man i just like that is such a fantastic intro the fact he literally throws someone like a tennis ball just like lobs them and then kicks them then robs them and then punches them it was just so over the top and it was such a there's no camera trickery there he just grabs a stunt man and does that and whoever let that happen hats off to him because that is a hell of a stunt um i might have it here for you not interesting what (laughs) don't care about who it was i just care about the fact it happened and it was sick (laughs) as you went on to say so sick that he and i'm sure this is a nick classic (coughs) perfect timing that he writes in that he's asthmatic such a fun character trait yeah it's just one of those things that keeps like popping back up to the point that you know it's going to be like a, an ender kind of section where it's going to get brought up again because they keep placing it in so often. But it is very fun. Like I said, it humanises what's kind of like an untouchable character, which is really nice to see that they've kind of given this guy a flaw that is very human. It's very easy, in these, especially in this era of films as well, to just make this kind of indestructible bad guy and you very rarely get to uh, see a character flaw in any way. There is a moment coming up here, and this is, I must say... Of all the time we spent with Nick, I would possibly argue that this is one of the most tight, one of the, let me, the right way to phrase this. Just the way I'm going to say it sounds dumb, so I'm just going to say it. No, I, I say go with the dumb one. Let's, let, let's, let's break that down. This is perhaps the most chivalrous he has been around women in any of the movies. I mean, yeah, he does protect uh, the strippers by making a man go up and dance after he grabs them. Let's let's build this scene up, because this is my favourite film, in the favourite scene in the film. This is your favourite film. This is my favourite film. This is your favourite, favourite character. And you're shitting all over my favourite character and my favourite <laughs> film of all time. This is what you did to me when I finally enjoyed a Christmas film. <laughs> <laughs> What I didn't like... Okay, hang on. I've got so much I want to say about this and I'm tripping over myself. Let me compose myself. Just to big up the point a little further that Nick Cage has got super, super strong for this film. The second time we see him, he is doing 40 bench presses of a young woman above his head. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. How how are we talking that this is chivalrous? Okay, I have a, a further point to that. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't being disrespectful at any point. I think the bar's set so low. I mean, it was only a couple of films ago. He He's definitely upped his game from a fireman's carrying a blind old man to bench pressing a young woman. <laughs> but I think, you know, that kind of behaviour, you'd usually expect Nick to be making inappropriate comments, putting his hands where they're not supposed to be. But <laughs> the way I think this man is chivalrous uh, uh, the he is a uh he's like the best of a bad bunch and we've had a very bad bunch thus far with nicholas he there's a, this brilliant scene in it where jimmy is visiting the club the 
uh, little junior, Nick's character, owns Baby Cakes, the name of the club. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's this... Uh, there's this great scene where Nick makes a total example of this guy. This drunk guy has been like being inappropriate and touching some of the dancing girls in his club. So he brings them over and he says, which hand did you touch the girl with? Put it down on the table. So the man puts his hand on the table and I'm there like, shit, he's going to stab his hand. He's got to cut it off. What's going to happen? Then Nick, cool as a cucumber, never stands up in this bit, just turns to Jimmy and says, Light up a cigarette for me. Jimmy lights a cigarette and passes it to Nick. And you, we're all thinking it. It's like, yeah. God, he's going to slowly burn his hand or he's going to heel turn and get him in the eye or something like that. And he goes, how can I get you to show respect to the hard work the women do in this bar? Hard cut to the next scene where this lecherous man is walking out in his underpants and has to do a strip dance for the whole club. I thought that was so good, man. I loved that you watched this in the bath. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. I was squeaking away in the tub, having a great time. (laughs) It was so funny. Uh, And I just thought that's, you know, he was sticking up for the women. And this is a man that many, many times has not done that at all. Yeah, he's notorious for not doing that. But we've we've kind of said this past kind of few films feels like he's trying to reset his kind of character that he's been typecast with. So it was good to see him. Back on track. Yeah. But again, I feel like there's still a lot of room for improvement. I don't feel like you should be bench pressing girls. I felt that the filmmakers tried really hard to make Little Junior into the villain of this. And don't get me wrong, he is the villain. But I feel like the way that Nick is playing him... He does a really great job of humanising this character. He's got, like, a bunch of really great traits that he throws in and little nods to to things this character experiences, the uh, epoch of being a human being. They try so hard to make him the villain by literally giving his character... He just says that he has an acronym for himself he describes it with, and the acronym is BAD. And we're going to throw in a quick round of Quizzleless Cage here, Daniel. Okay. What does BAD stand for? Acronymically, That will be Balls, Attitude and Direction. Correct. Good job, my friend. So happy that I wrote that down as my easy one, which leaves you with just a hard uh, question here for uh, for Quizzleless Cage. Okay, I'm up for it. I figured you, you upped the ante yesterday, and I, was, and I wasn't quite ready for it. So I thought I'd meet you there. Outside the courthouse towards the end of the film, they have a kind of recurring uh, conversation. A lot of characters kind of meet up, and they, they constantly talk outside the courthouse by this hot dog stand. But I want to know, Ben, is how much is a hot dog? $2.30. No, it's $1.25, Ben. Yeah, that's that's a very tricky one. Has that got anything to do with Nick? He stands there. At the hot dog stand. I would speculate that he probably bought one at that price. Yeah, I don't I don't even, if I'm honest, I don't even rem- remember that scene. Like, It's a recurring one. The hot dog stands there for three or four different scenes. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yep, yeah, you know what? That's fair. I didn't think to take that all in. Uh, I guess you know. You know, I like my numbers. Yeah, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> well, I I wrote down three possible questions for you today. No, same. And I did too. And I I thought I'd, I thought I'd throw you an easy one. I I did easy, medium, and hard. Yeah. No, I figured that you would have wrote down the acronym, but I figured it was also. A fun way of letting the audience know, but you know, no, it's fine. You know, it's fine. The other one was going to be how many, how many times did he bench press the girl? Well, it's forty, obviously. Everyone knows that. Well, yeah, you've already answered it. So you stitch yourself yeah, up. Yeah, serves me right for being a good host, I suppose. If you bring, if you bring me trivia before I get to ask you a question, what, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, man. You're going to have to tell me how much things cost. Yeah, I guess so. Literally, You've got to pay the piper. Exactly. You've got to make accounts payable, mate. Okay, that's. Uh... How good was it to see uh, Nick Cage fighting in a strip club again since Deadpool? Yeah, I mean, it was one of my favourite scenes and a fascinating bit of storytelling. 
this is the way that the filmmakers communicate that Nick Cage's character's dad has died. We see the shot of Nick alone. Well, there's dancing girls in the background. Nick alone in the nightclub while some <laughs> some intense EDM plays while Nick just crying, sweating, sobbing, jumping and dancing on the spot. It just freaks out and it's all in one shot. A man walks in and gently bumps into him. Nick says, what the hell are you doing? And beats the crap out of him and then shouts, my dad just died. And then turns around and starts dancing again. I thought that was a brilliant way. It was the cage moment of the film, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. It was just a return to form. On top of that, did you notice about how we're saying about how the asthma kind of humanises his character? Yes. Did you notice how he also has an allergy to metal? Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my backup questions. Which is just ridiculous. He describes that the... Um... Is this him getting out of having to eat on set again? Because <laughs> he, the only thing he makes a point of... Because he's holding a gun at some point, so Matt was obviously fine on his skin, which I didn't understand. He describes it as the thing he hates most in the world is the taste of metal in his mouth. He has to use plastic forks because he hates metal in his yeah. mouth that much. Again, fantastic characterization from Cage. I could really feel the character vividly. Yeah, so I, I, I just wondered if that was why, because the one thing that he says is when he's in prison very briefly, that um, he they wouldn't give him a plastic fork, which I thought in prison, they'd all have plastic forks. Yeah, metal does not seem like something they would serve up there, right? Yeah, but here we are, and Nick Cage had to eat all of his dinner with his hands. <laughs> what? I would have loved to have seen that scene. They probably filmed it, but then we know what this man's track record of oh, eating gosh, anything yeah. in front of a camera looks like. So. I think the majority of times he's eaten something on camera, someone's died imminently. <laughs> um, what I was going to bring up earlier, I know you're probably not that interested, but the stuntman from this film... Uh, was actually a former house angel and a bodyguard to Charlie Sheen, as well as others. Sheen again. So I imagine that's the link there. Yeah, Charlie Sheen's got like a recurring thing. I feel like he's going to be the next kind of... Uh, we, we know we've got Travolta coming up with the rivalry, mm. but I feel like there could be a good one with uh, Cage and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I feel like Sheen is trying to win... Fe- I, the two have never starred side by side in a scene, which is interesting. So I, I think it's just a matter of time until the two cross paths, though they kind of split directions where Cage is obviously strictly a Hollywood actor, I'd say, whereas Sheen goes off and does some TV show stuff. Interestingly, and this is way off topic, but recently I learnt a little about Charlie Sheen and his relationship with the sitcom Two and a Half Men. Okay. Do you know much about Two and a Half Men? Um, I've seen a couple of episodes in passing. I At one point, he was the highest paid actor in the world for doing it, wasn't he? Wow, yeah, that's, well, probably TV actor, but yeah, almost certainly. Yes. So Charlie Sheen and another actor whose name I can't remember are father and perhaps brother uncle something like that to this kid the half man (laughs) Charlie Sheen (laughs) fell out with Chuck Lowry maybe is the director they had a big falling out and Chuck Lowry fired presumably Charlie Sheen he left the set so now we're left with a man and a half Uh, next thing you know the half man is grown up and he becomes this like born again Christian and leaves the show we're now left with man (laughs) then at one point they and this is not no one's favourite man he was just sort of there to glue these characters together after this point they bring in like a young lady who's playing this lesbian teenage character interesting comment on a lesbian being half a man but we'll skip over that part don't worry about it oh god (laughs) the final episode of two and a half men is i guess charlie sheen wasn't in it and they're really vilifying him and his character and anything to do with him 
the final episode is him, I think, coming to get some money from the dude who is left in the show, the other man whose name I don't know, coming to get him and they're really vilifying him. And just as he goes up to the doorbell to ring the bell and go in the house, we only see the back of this character, a piano falls on him. The camera zooms out and we're in the set where they film Two and a Half Men. Chuck Lowry, the director, is in his chair, turns around, looks down the camera, barrels it and says, winning. And then a piano falls on him. Seriously? That is how they ended the sitcom Two and a Half Men. That's how you hold a grudge. That's incredible. That is next level. You go through eight, nine, I don't even know how many seasons of the show. And then at the last moment, you decide to break the fourth wall and drop a piano on your director. Yeah, with like a a really cheap kind of a current kind of pop culture reference. You say it's a current pop culture reference. This, the last episode aired in 2015. Well, I say current for, for the time when the whole winning thing was kind of going around. Mate, he tried to call Charlie Sheen out for winning eight years after that was current. Oh, was that not around 2015? How long ago was that? Like 2008. Oh my God. Yeah, the whole thing is so embarrassing. I feel so bad for the last remaining man. Every day he must have turned up to work like, what the fuck is going to happen next? He must have thought like Charlie Sheen's left. I'm the man. This is incredible. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. I'm showing up every day and all my all I'm having to do is just talk about Charlie Sheen. I'm caught in the middle of this hurricane of a feud. He's still the star in a show that he's not in. And I'm the fluffer. Yeah, Jesus. Anyway, that was obviously very tangential, but I thought it was very, very, very funny. Whilst we're on the topic of people to act alongside Nick, let's go one from today. And we've got uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who plays Calvin Hart in this. What an underutilised actor. Yeah. Did you notice um, there's a scene, you know, I like to pick up on um, kind of like things that these actors don't necessarily prepare for. I swear we must have seen him do it before in another film, but uh, Samuel L. Jackson throws three to four punches in this that are maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. Potentially worse than Tommy Lee Jones boxing. Uh, I didn't pick up on it as much because I was just They look like like, uh, kind of Mario uppercuts. When you were talking about characters facing off against once another, no pun intended, I thought that you were going to lower that sweet, sweet, shiny bell into the arena for another riveting round of... Well, you know. Oh, there it is. Cage match. So we've got today, it's going to be the return of Eddie, Eddie King from Deadfall. He's going to be taking on today's little Junior Brown. So one thing I didn't realise is there was actually a big Junior Brown in this film. Never clocked it. Mm, Presumably his father who dies, as we find out, through that jumping club scene. Of course. Now, this is going to be a heck of a showdown. Yeah. Let me tell you right now. I was thinking about this earlier. I think this is going to be close. We've had a couple that have kind of gone 3-2. Eddie's a very strong character in in the kind of cage element, but he can be toppled, I think. Let's work backwards for a change, shall we? Junior puts on a very... He puts on a powerful cage display, quite honestly. I don't know if it's because we've got withdrawal symptoms recently, but I was very impressed with how Nick Cage, Nick Cage managed to be in this film, considering he is not in any mean... Well, both these films, he's not a lead role, but he steals the spotlight completely both times. Yeah, again, like he's he's not really... David Caruso is making his uh, like film acting debut in this, coming out, out of TV, and it's very much focused on... It feels like this was his film. Yes, he got paid $1 million for it. But he gets out-acted in every scene possible by Nick. Yeah, the guy hogs the spotlight, and I'm not even mad. Uh, that being said, fantastic as Junior Little Little Junior's performance in this is, 
and how much cage he brings to the table, he can't hold a candle to Eddie. No, I think it's it's going to be a tough one. Sorry, I was having a big old swig there. In regards to Cage, it's he put up a good fight, but it has to go to Eddie on this because that is what that entire performance is about. Whereas I feel like Junior had a little more nuance to it. Yeah, totally. I, I completely agree on that one. Let's cut to likability. Likability is going to be a tough one because Eddie is just. I mean, you 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 say you like uh, little Junior Brown. He's he's your best pal. I think he's got some really redeeming qualities. Let's cut to the way that we've been deciding this. Would you rather go on a night out with Ooh. Eddie or little Junior Brown? Mm. It's fascinating because they they share a lot of DNA. These characters, they're very similar people. What the places they like to hang out, the things they enjoy. I feel like in these films, Eddie was very self-destructive, uh, but I felt like he was a hurricane that would drag everyone in, everyone that got near him inside it. Whereas I felt like there was a glimmer when it eventually is revealed that Jimmy has been wearing a wire and he has been conspiring against cage in this he seems really hurt because i think for the first time in a long time he thought he had a friend he feels really betrayed there's even a section after one of their dodgy dealings where they've been selling a load of stolen cars where cage says to him we should meet up tomorrow and he doesn't know he doesn't have the language to say like you know hang out be friends he's like you know and talk about life and stuff mm. and that's quite a little tender glimmer of hope there. I thought he was, uh, he's just trying to reach out and he's just trying to have a friend. But and let's be something... honest. Um, it's, so this guy, Jimmy, goes to prison for three years for Little Junior Brown, comes out and the first thing Nick Cage's character does is uh, kind of berate him and then check to see if he's wearing a wire. Admittedly, he is wearing a wire. But there's no trust there. There's no... There's no, there's, there's no gratitude until after. No, he levels with him. First thing he does is he says, I heard your wife died, my dad died, and then he tries to have a conversation with him. And he's like, we're going through a similar thing. I have no one to talk to about this. I need someone. You need someone. Uh, he reaches out a hand. He's a desperate criminal. He's a desperate criminal, but Eddie was just desperate. Look, just, let's just get back to this, all right? Would you rather go on a night out with Eddie or Little Junior Brown? I think... I know, I know that I'm picking Eddie, but I'm interested to see where you go with this because because I don't think there'll ever be any trust with someone like Little Junior Brown, whereas I think with Eddie, it's just going to be hilarious. Yeah, you know what, really... I mean, either way, you're going to a strip club. And either way, you're going like, to witness a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Like, both will do exactly that. They're very similar characters, but one's a lot more reserved than that. They really are. This is like splitting a hair with this because they're they're so similar to the same thing. I'll tell you what. If um, if Nick Cage played uh, Eddie more like Junior Brown in Deadfall, maybe Deadfall would have still sucked because it's an awful film. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe there's no saving that fucking film. I'd have to go with Junior. I really do think he's just... I just think he's more likable overall. In terms of a night out, though, probably Eddie. Let's be real. Yeah, it's, it is a tough one. I think I'm with you on that, that uh, Little Junior is... I think that's just a bit more... He's more likable, but... Staying power with Junior. I think he'd be fiercely loyal if you got on his side, whereas Eddie, I think he was just too fucked up to know what was going on. Let's give it to Junior. Tied game. All right. Next up, let's move on to appearance. Now, uh... Eddie has been a staple of this part of the competition for a long time more or less unbeatable and especially when someone comes dressed like a failed wrestler yeah and the, the facial hair it's just not good it's a 
disastrous look. So let's not even dilly and dally. We both know the answer here. This, yeah, this is 2-1 Eddie. 2-1 Eddie. Next up, we're going to move to strength. Uh, This, I think, is going to go straight to Little Junior, just based on... Of course. Cage has never been bigger. He bench presses a woman... 40 times. Eddie manages to kill that guy in the car door, but that's self-defense. Whereas just because he can and because he's so powerful, Cage throws that stuntman out the truck. And like, that is an unbelievable thing. I couldn't believe it. I had to have an instant rewind on that. Tied game. Tied game, which does bring us to a closer on Cage. Uh, no, a closer is agility. Oh. And this is a, this is a fascinating one because... Neither characters display a huge amount a huge amount of agility. Well let's let's really work this out here. Yeah, there really isn't much, is there? <laughs> In the past, agility has run parallel with arrestability. Now, Eddie, he exists on a diet of cocaine. It is the fuel that gets him going. Yeah, we see him driving a lot, we see him doing a lot of stuff like that. But And as a result of that, he moves very, very fast. However, he does get killed in a deep fat fryer, and you yourself has said I'm not the most agile person, but I feel like I could avoid getting killed in a deep fat fryer. Yeah, it's an easy way to not die. Yeah, and it's, that's not that hard. Whereas... So if you think about the time that takes to heat up as well. Exactly, man. Come on. Yeah, he, he was he was hanging around that for far too long wearing a wig. Junior, however, does manage to avoid going to prison for a decent chunk of time. He gets caught at the end of the film. Yeah, he's very even sneaky. even then, I feel like he's... Let me put it this way. Junior kills a federal agent and they have him doing it on tape cassette and they still don't they still can't arrest him yeah i think i think he's got it here that's agile as hell man this is an insanely close game and i bet can barely believe i'm saying it but junior little junior brown is advancing in cage match i think little junior brown has got this Ooh. what a crazy upset i did not think that was gonna happen when i started my day today no but it's nice to kind of go into at least the next kind of few films with a clean slate because i feel like eddie is one of those characters that is just it's too much for this game. <laughs> it's very hard to topple him. What a crazy ride we've had with Eddie. Anything you want to say to him before we shut the cage on him? Uh, rest in piss. <laughs> That's about it, really. <laughs> right, Daniel, before we close this off, you know what I need you to do. I'm, I'm not even going to ask. I just need you to come out and say it. You want me to be nice to Nicky? Please. Oh, I mean, I think there's the, obviously the moment where he's just realised his dad's passed. And I want to go back and analyse that for a minute. Because it's nice to see that he's found a new way to... We speculated before that he was using uh, kind of heavier music to contain his rage and his emotions and things like that. Where in this, it seems like he's started to adapt the world of dancing. Yes, to contain himself and I think fair play Nick that's that's a big and bold move and I hope it pays off for you proud of you pal yeah movement therapy has been a big help to him by the sounds of it I would like to be nice to Nicky on quite a similar note and just uh, congratulate him on his his music taste he, he's really adapted it for this and there's a fantastic weird scene where he beats someone's ass while jump around by House of Pain plays and that was very unexpected but very funny that was a very fantastic scene wasn't it <laughs> I've never seen someone get the shit kicked out of them to that song really <laughs> That was a weekly event. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
that about does it for Kiss of Death. Should have been clever and said something about Little Junior delivering the Kiss of Death on Eddie, but hey-ho. Let's be honest, this was the last of a kind of bunch of duds that we have had as we move into our Oscar-winning uh, Best Actor film here, Leaving Las Vegas, where he's going to be playing Ben Sanderson. Um, we don't know much about this, is that correct, going in? I've never seen it, I just know that it's an Oscar-winning performance and it marks the beginning of the golden run yes, we've got four bangers in a row and I'm feeling grateful preemptively for Nicholas for that yeah I'm very excited I'm going to give you as per usual a little bit of a synopsis here. yes please so Ben Sanderson which is going to be Nicholas Cage a Hollywood screenwriter who lost everything because of his alcoholism arrives in Las Vegas to drink himself to death there he meets and forms an uneasy friendship and non-interference pact with prostitute Sarah that's it okay very interesting this is going to be interesting we've already got some backstory about the method man himself and his trip to Dublin for this. Went to Dublin and just drank himself silly, got his friends to record himself when he was drunk so that he could analyse. So this is going to be the return of Method Cage. Yeah, and I'm. it couldn't have come at a better time. I was uh, starting to feel the weight a little bit, so I appreciate this good season coming up. I think it's going to glide us nicely through the end of this month and then on to weird and wonderful unknown passages new. I'm looking forward to watching these, man. Thank you, as always, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Nick, looking forward to the next few days, my man. Oh, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very good week. It's gonna be a good old time. I feel like I feel like we're out of the trenches now, and we're we're running directly into gunfire. We're in the eye <laughs> of the storm. Yeah. The best place to be, but every direction we move from here is going to be hazardous and horrendous. That's that's the thing. I've been looking forward to this week since we started, thinking this is going to be great. The reality of it is, this week will end, and then there's still another two mm-hmm. months. <laughs> and, and knowing that the best week has already gone knowing that Vampire's Kiss and Deadfall have gone knowing that all of his like main films were done in a week and then we've just kind of got scattered drops of like Lord of War and uh, National Treasure to kind of keep us going <sighs> so we're really going to be uh, up against it in the next few so let's let's really enjoy this week. To really cap off that anxiety moving forward, a friend of mine has just this moment messaged me saying, Ben, it's taken me three days and three attempts to watch Ghost Rider. I've just moved on to Ghost Rider 2. <laughs> I know exactly who that is Yikes. as well. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Wait, if I'm correct, kept falling asleep during it. <laughs> Oh, God, that does not bode well. I can't wait. Wish us luck, everyone. All right. Like we say every day on the show, despite all my rage... I'm still optimistic about Nick Cage. Uh. Mm. Hi, everyone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>